you are about to receive messages that may be harmful to your mental state. Your sense of reality will be questioned. Your view on things will be altered. You are now part of the meta. The meta controls everything. The meta determines what will and will not happen. You are watching the meta show. Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, it is Saturday, March the 7th, 2020. And this is your uh, Saturday afternoon episode of The Meta Show. I'm Bruce Rabal, your host, along with The Matani. Wearing a red shirt, but this is all for Nimblar's wedding, and we just got to dial in the fashion. I think the, uh, the silver tie works a little bit better than last uh, show's black tie. Uh, if you guys missed last week, there wasn't a last week. Our last show was two weeks ago because we had to cancel things because there was uh, really not too much going on. Uh, I'm apparently muted. No, you're set. You're set. We got you taken care of. I got you fixed. I'm not. Okay, good. All right. Well, I was talking about fashion. So if I was muted during that, you missed me hearing about uh, whether my tie was uh, better or worse than it was uh, uh, last week. So uh, we're going to do things a little bit differently on the show today. Uh, we do have a really interesting show because we have Aerith and Merkel Chen are going to be joining us from the CSM. They just got back from Iceland. Uh, Don't forget Anomaly. Oh, and Anomaly is here as well. Sorry, I, my bad. Uh, I can only see in Zoom the people that have cameras on. So I have an inherent bias towards people that uh, uh, I can see. Uh, but normally when we do these shows, uh, we start out with uh, Brisk doing his rant first. Uh, but I'm going to take my rant first this time. Uh, because it's not Eve related. Uh, it is a public health related thing. If you were just on the fireside, you've already heard a much longer and more detailed version of that. Um, but we have a moral obligation to educate people about what's happening with the coronavirus and why it's important. So we're going to go to that. And then we're going to go to talking to Brisk about what he wants to talk about. And then we have a bunch of things to talk about in terms of space news. We have Deadco imploding. Uh, we have thus the entire galactic Northwest is sort of up for grabs. Uh, we have uh, CSM folks are going to tell us about what they learned at the CSM summit that they can tell us. There is a bunch of cool shit that's going on. Um, so y y should I just go into this risk? Where are we, where are we at? Am I, am I, I'd say am go I right ahead. So go ahead and do your thing and then I'll, I'll, I'll finish up when you're done. Okay. All right. Uh, so, uh, I, we talked about this on the fireside. This is something uh, we're going to be talking about COVID-19, the coronavirus. We're going to call it the coronavirus because that's what the media has collectively called it worldwide. Uh, and there's just a couple simple rules about this, guys. Um, you, EVE players understand statistics. EVE players understand mathematics. EVE players love spreadsheets. And they also love crunching their number, the numbers themselves. So instead of, you know, herfing a bunch of blurfs and saying, oh, my God, you need to be scared about this, blah, 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 blah. What I'm going to do is simply drop a link to uh, a Twitter thread by an engineer who has gone through and done a bunch of numbers. Uh, EVE players, I think, are going to be more aware of the difference between an arithmetic uh, curve rather than a a, uh, an exponential curve, i.e. what we've seen in these viral cases is that it, it doubles every six days, and that means that we can predict the peak of the viral surge will be in July. And here's some information for people to take a look at. Uh, which is this. Also, disinformation is very dangerous at a time like this. So if I catch anybody in chat doing things that I consider to be spreading disinformation intentionally or otherwise muddling the waters, I will simply ban you and you can go fuck yourself. Uh, so anyway, that's an interesting Twitter thread there. And something that one of my old school Goonstorm directors pointed out on Twitter a couple days ago, and I thought it was a really 
clear way to cut through the bullshit to anybody who uh, doesn't want to do the math, who doesn't want to like, you know, prepare for food or anything like this. Uh, Graham sort of brought it down to, to two rules, just two rules for how to deal with this. Uh, it, it's like a game, uh, which is this. Rule number one is delay getting sick for as long as possible. That's it. Just try to get, try to stay healthy, delay getting sick for as long as possible. And, and the second rule is when you do get sick, try to make sure that you don't give it to anybody else, right? That's it. And, and the reason why this is important is, is that this is about sort of buying time for the worldwide scientific and epidemiological community to be able to figure out what the hell is going on and hopefully get some defensive measures of some kind in place. Right. We are learning more about how this thing works every single day. More and more studies and papers and trials are coming out uh, for us to understand this. And so because of the way that a exponential growth curve works, i.e. if you have a million cases of the coronavirus, if it doubles every six days, if you have a million cases, that means a week later or thereabouts, you have 2 million cases, then 4 million cases, then 8 million, then 16, then 32. Oh, wow, this is getting kind of scary. Then 64. Oh, wow, this is serious. 128, 256 million. And then um, based upon the, the current epidemiological projections, this is going through between 16 to 80% of the adult human population. So you yourself might not be at risk, but if you isolate early or take steps early before that doubling curve gets really nasty, you can help save lives. Maybe your life is not at risk because you are, if you're lucky like me, you don't have any underlying conditions. I'm 40 years, 41 years old, like in terms of the case fatality rates, I'm not really at any risk. But people's grandparents are, people's parents are at risk. And there's a lot of people who are your age that you don't know have underlying conditions. Like you might have friends who are taking medications for something that compromises their immune system uh, and they haven't told you because why would they? And they are at more risk. The CDC has already come out and said that people who are at a higher risk need to start taking steps to self-isolate and protect themselves from this because it is coming. Your, your feelings, your hopes, your dreams, none of that matters. The only thing that matters is the science. And the science says, it's coming, so what are we gonna do about it? What we're gonna do about it is we're gonna save lives. If you follow these simple rules, you can delay what's called the surge, right? And I, I encourage everybody to, instead of trying to be convinced by what I say, I don't, want to need, I don't need to persuade you about anything I'm saying here. Take everything I'm saying and you know, look at the Twitter thread I linked. Go do some research on your own. Look into this from a scientific, data-oriented, Eve nerd kind of perspective and crunch the numbers yourself because again, viral stuff is very mathematical, right? We know how these things work. There is a simple curve for it. So you can put it on a calendar and predict it once we know the base rate of uh, infection and spread and stuff like that. So you can reduce the R naught of the sucker. You can help save somebody's grandma and grandpa if you do the right thing. Uh, and yes, so for example, somebody who is saying here, this guy, I'm gonna shoot him right now as an example for everybody else. It is no worse than the influenza flu or what have you, you are now banned forever. Uh, that is absolutely not the case. It, misinformation will literally kill people in a time like this. Uh, there is no excuse. If you do not know what you're talking about, shut the fuck up. You might say, well, Mittens, why do you know about this? Well, uh, my stepsister is a virologist, right? My family comes from a medical background. Uh, 
you know, my, my grandfather, uh, people might not know this, but coronary stents, the very first FDA approved coronary stent that's everywhere. We use more modern ones now, but the very first coronary stent was the John Turco Rubin stent that was come up with by my grandfather, Caesar John Turco. This does not mean that I know stuff, but it means that in my family, there are professionals who know these things and we know how to find and source this stuff. So one of the reasons I'm raising the alarm early is that this is that time in those disaster movies where the scientists are all saying, hey, you idiots, this is a problem. Here are the projections. It's like the first episode of Chernobyl where the smart people and the experts are trying to give good guidance and everybody else is trying to cover their ass. So we can save lives if we work at this early. If we do the needful early, try to avoid getting sick for as long as possible. And when you do get sick, try to make sure you don't spread it to anybody else. All right, that's it. I will continue to shoot anybody who spreads misinformation about this. That is my prerogative. Um, but it's about time to talk about spaceship games. So now that the virus stuff is out of the way, let's talk some internet spaceships. And Brisk, please distract me from this. Let's let's hear about internet spaceships. Thank All you. right. So we're going to talk about internet spaceships for a little while. I think the, the the thing that I wanted to talk about, and this is not really a rant, it's more of an observation. And I think, you know, we have been hinting at this the last couple of shows that we've been doing. And I know we missed last week, but the week before, we saw a lot of changes to mining, changes to the size of asteroids, the usefulness of work walls and, and anomalies has been reduced. We saw the dev blog from CCP talking about how they're going to be changing up mineral distribution, what's in different rocks, where those rocks are going to spawn. And if you listen, and I, and I strongly encourage you to do so, if you listen to the Talking in Stations interview that happened a couple days ago, I guess it was last Sunday, uh, with CCP Ratatai, who's the new ecology or uh, ecosystem lead for, for uh, CCP for EVE Online, as well as CCP Muppet Hunter. And I also want to give a plug, uh, CCP Ratatai was also on the Declarations of War podcast. Go listen to those two. And I think the one thing that it seems to me that we're, we are in the process of beginning to see is something that a lot of you may be seeing in real life right now, if you can't find toilet paper on Australia or even in Northern Virginia, like we had trouble today, if you're trying to buy hand sanitizer, good luck. There's a lot of scarcity going on right now because there's a run on stuff that people want because they're worried about this virus. In EVE, I get the feeling that we're going to start seeing runs on things that people want to keep and buy while there is relative plenty because scarcity is coming. That is the one message that I think was overtly and abundantly made clear by these two interviews. And that is essentially that CCP's view of one of the big problems in the game and one of the things that is causing stagnation in null second everywhere else is everybody simply has too much of everything. Now, whether you agree with that or not, and I think you can make a case on both sides, and we'll talk to the CSM in a little bit about their, their views on that. I think that we all have to recognize that what we have seen in the last couple of years at least since the introduction of the Rourke Wall, the introduction of, the, of the, the change from passive moon mining to active moon mining, and the amount of wealth that's been generated in the game that players have taken advantage of, and people who had no, not even a super two or three years ago now have multiple titans, that era is, is probably ending. So for those of us who have gotten ours now, we're going to be in a good position, but that's going to raise the, the, the inherent value of those assets because everybody's going to have a much harder time replacing them. So I think we all need to start getting it in our heads that the economy and the way that the economy has worked in the last couple of years is going to be changing. 
And whether that's for good or bad is to be seen. And we can talk about that. And I guarantee you we'll be talking about it on this show. But I think we all need to prepare ourselves and get that in our heads that this is coming. And I think if we do that and we think about it and we prepare and, and recognize that some serious changes are going to be coming that are going to impact a lot of gameplay, then when those changes do come, we'll be less likely to freak out and want to quit and walk away and go play Hello Kitty. So I want you guys just to think about that. Go listen to those podcasts. Again, Talking Stations interview last Sunday and Declarations of War. Uh, if you haven't listened to those before, I, I suggest you do. Uh, these, were, these were very interesting for the amount of information that was provided. And I think, uh, uh, at least for my take is, some of the stuff that was talked about in some of these things may not have been exactly something CCP wanted to put out right away, but they did. So I'm happy that they did so we can talk about it. So go listen to those and get ready for scarcity because it is coming. All right, that's my that's my little uh, my little uh, observation. Uh, well, as as uh, we said before, well, go ahead. I was going to say, it's fascinating because it is kind of a, a life imitates art kind of scenario or vice versa because scarcity is a problem. You need to prepare if you can predict that there is going to be a period of scarcity coming. So, you know, one of the things that we just did uh, you know, just before the show on the Imperium Fireside, I got out there and I said, we don't know what CCP is going to do. Uh, we don't know how bad they're going to cut things. We just know that they want to cut things. And because we cannot predict, you need to hedge against uncertainty. And the way that smart people hedge against uncertainty is uh, not by assuming that it's the end of the world, but by going on a spree of like ratting and mining and making sure that they have enough shit while they still can uh, to prepare to deal with any kind of uh, risks or what have you down the line. So, um, you know, that's something that we're doing as an organization. We are uh, getting ready for the unknown unknown. It's not actually, it's not an unknown unknown. We know that CCB is going to do something, the scarcity, we just don't know what. And so get ready. That's all. It's, it's not, don't need to panic. Just get ready. Um, yeah. Thank you. All right. So we're going to go on our top story where we are fortunate this week to have uh, three of the members of the CSM 14, uh, the three Goonswarm Federation members with us today. We're going to talk a little bit about the, the, uh, the summit and how things went and what they think uh, we're going to see in the next few weeks. I guess I'll go off first, Chris. Um, I think we went into the summit with fairly low expectations. Um, I think there was a general perception that CCP's Age of Chaos was continuing and that uh, a lot of disruptive changes were coming to the economy and we weren't sure how much we were being listened to. Uh, I think we came out of the summit feeling pretty damn good. Like one of the things that I can, I'm concerned myself about is, do they have a plan? Do they have data that backs that plan? Are they executing on that plan? You know, do I think that plan is viable? And I, and I can answer yes to all of those. Um, so I feel much, much better coming out of this summit than I did going in. And the, vo the voice you guys just heard was Aerith. He is uh, one of the one of the three CSM members. Let me just do a real brief intro introduction for folks who may not be aware. We have Inominate, Aerith, and Merkelchen. These are three of the Goonsform Federation members. Merkelchen is the CEO of Karma Fleet. Inominate is one of the main directors of Goonsform, but he's also in Karma Fleet. Aerith is the economics guru. He's been on the CSM for what was it five years now? Yeah, this is the end of the fourth term. Yeah, fourth term. So yeah, so he's he's almost in Steve Renukin territory. Uh, when it comes to being an old hat at this stuff. So we're happy to have you guys on the show. And Aaron sounds like he had a good time. What do you guys think? Did you, what, what are your general you know feelings about the way the summit went? Mark, let's go with you first. Uh, well, first, thanks for having me. 
It's nice to be here with you guys on your You're new professional show. Uh, it's wonderful with Space Papa and my friend Brisk. Um, this was a good summit. This is my fourth one. So I feel like I have a pretty good barometer of good, bad, ugly, whatever. Uh, this was a good one. Um, you know, we did the usual thing where we pushed the social limits of closing time in the Iceland bar scene as far as one possibly could. Uh, we outlasted them in most cases, got that part done, but good summit, a lot of good stuff coming. Uh, a lot of neat information coming out of CCP that I thought was pretty impressive to see. Hopefully they'll get this rolling down towards the players pretty soon. But I, aside from the travel stuff, you know, the day we left, there was like one case maybe in Iceland. And by the third day, we were worried that it was going to turn into like a bath salts. Everybody's eating each other. Very frightening <laughs> experience. So I was just glad that we got the hell out of there when we did. Uh, but no, uh, no complaints. Now, now what did you think? Well, there's, I mean, the, uh, it went well. The, as you said, there are a lot of very disruptive changes coming. I think there's a lot of people who are worried about what this is going to mean for the future of the game. But at the same time, for those of us who have been around long enough, we have seen um, the entirety of, of NullSec upended and how it works upended completely so many times. And we've always adapted and we'll always adapt. And uh, yeah, we're going to figure out how to make sure that things are fun. One of the questions that uh, I have for all of you guys, and uh, I think since we started there, we'll, we'll throw this to Aerith first, and then Merkelchen, and then or Aerith, and then a nominate, and then Merkelchen, uh, is uh, how, what would you describe as the overall? And I know this is a fuzzy question, but guys, like we have to work around this because there are NDAs and things involved. Uh, if you could describe a little bit, uh, what do you think was the overall tone? of the summit and the interactions between CCP and the player representatives? Uh, I think we kind of crossed a threshold where we were learning to communicate after the events of 2019. So you got to remember some of the things that happened in 2018 with obviously Brisk being involved in one of the first events, but there were several other events that may not have been public that also strained the relationship quite a bit and, and resulted in a lack of communication or effective communication between the two groups. I think shortly before the summit, we sort of, hit upon the, the secret sauce, which is we as a CSA came to the realization that we can't ever expect CCP to understand the gravity of the changes they're doing. They don't know Eve like we do. They don't know the economics like we do. It's just, it's just not, not realistic. But what we can do is teach them sort of like we do in GSS, where we teach our line members the economic concepts so they can understand what we're saying and I've started doing that and the other CSMs have started doing it. We started teaching CCP concepts and things without a problem statement, without a solution we're trying to pitch or anything like that. Just the overall concept of how Eve works and doing that, we feel like it's going to result in a better decision on CCP's part and better design. That sounds positive. I, I like the sound of that. Uh, and nominate uh, what you got. And as far as just the communication goes, it's a really big deal when you, um, cross the line from dealing with each other on Slack to dealing with each other in the same room to then dealing with each, with each other in the bar afterwards. And so um, there have been a lot of new faces, both on the CSM and at CCP this year. And I think that has created a little bit of friction that um, we've had to sort of get past. And I think the summit did a huge, uh, uh, helped a lot to get us through a lot of that. And so things have improved dramatically just over the period of the summit. That's fantastic. Merkelton? 
Well, I'm I'm always like the way too positive one, so these guys have to kind of dial me in when I leave any human experience. I'm always having a nice time. Uh, but if you imagine yourself, like we all have, the players all have opinions on what they think is going to be required to sort of recalibrate the game and get the economic stuff fixed and the eco stuff system fixed. None of these solutions are very simple. Most of us would just be like, delete Oracles two years ago. Well, that sounds awesome, but that pisses off lots of subscribers. So I kind of think that the folks that have that particular responsibility within the company are facing an extremely daunting task and they're talking to us. We're having a lot of good back and forth. I think that is significantly better than the alternative perhaps. So we'll see, you know, it, it may be a bumpy couple months while they kind of fiddle with the dials and get everything dialed in, but you know, uh, we're going to give them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, and just to add one more thing, I think it's clear that CCP recognizes the how extreme the measures they're taking actually are. Like they're not going into this blindly. So that so they do recognize. Just as a follow up, they do recognize that these these changes. They think they're making a change that's designed to hit, say, mineral stockpiles or something like that. But that it has carry on effects that impact other things like. Well, if there are fewer rock walls in the game, then there are fewer targets for whalers to go kill. And if there are fewer targets for whalers to go kill, then they're going to go after something else and, and that type of stuff. Do they, do they get, you know, the, the ripple effects and, and what are you, are you getting the sense that they understand? So. I, there's one person at CSP I feel like is definitely progressing as a thought leadership in, in economic areas. Um, CSP as a Like, I think he gets it. He understands that they're only seeing the first order effects. They're very curious about what the second and third order effects are. So I tried to explain some of those to them. So I, I, I do think they're listening. I do think they recognize it. Uh, they're just, they're, they're trying to learn. I mean, some of this stuff is huge meta changing things that we haven't seen since 2014 at some of these right. changes. So a lot of these people were not employed at CCP the last time this meta was around. So they've got to learn too. So did, did you guys get a lot of interaction with the senior leadership folks? Did, was, was Hilmar, and I, I think I saw one picture of him in there. Did you spend a lot of time with him or was that just a one-off meeting? What about the rest of the, the the creative team, the Troika? Yeah, this time um, I, I feel like we probably we we saw a lot of Hilmar. I would I wouldn't even know you know since Hilmar lives elsewhere. I wasn't sure if we'd end up seeing him since the travel stuff started to get really sketchy. But uh, we got a significant amount of time, got to hear you know his thoughts on a lot of things, uh, and. It was nice. Uh, I, you know, they've been doing a lot of like internal reconfiguring of teams and setups and who's responsible for this. And I can't even imagine that at, at your job. I work obviously in a very different industry, but just sort of like one day you come into work and your boss is like this thing that some other person has been working on for five years, you are officially now responsible for good luck, you know, and <laughs> that's gotta, that's the crazy part of game and software development, I'm sure. But they're they're getting things settled down and they're they're starting to uh, pay a lot of attention to the effects that those changes are having so we'll see it, you know if if all you're focusing on is what this economics team is going to be doing to be sort of um getting the game sort of field leveled off and not so pitched and and peaks and valleys and things like that it's going to be a weird year for you i i think i would be more paying attention to some of the the neat stuff that they're going to be churning out because there is a lot of it and they showed us some stuff that's pretty exciting i'll take it one step further i and this is you know somewhat personal opinion i feel like hilmar is the one that saved the summit as far as i'm concerned like he had a lot of interaction um at least half a dozen interactions with them 
it was him being able to convey the data behind their decision-making process and the whys that finally tied it together for us where we understood it's not just people throwing crap against a wall. There's actual method to the madness. Um, and once you understand the decision-making, if you don't agree with it, just knowing that there's a process and knowing there's a rational decision-making based on data behind it is a tremendous improvement on what we thought. Yeah, I would, I would add that I think this this summit, since uh, since CSM 11, this is the most access the CSM has had to Hilmar, um, not by a, by a wide margin, too. And, um, you know, talking to him, it is clear that he deeply cares about the game and um, where what he lacks in knowledge of, like, the details of the mechanics. Um, I think he does have a solid grasp on the philosophy of EVE that aligns with what the players expect from it. I would just like to say, guys, everything you're saying, you are blowing the heads off everyone in chat. I'm kind of, I'm kind of uh, laughing at this whole thing. The, the praise for Hilmar and Hilmar knows what's going on in Eve. That that's definitely going against the conventional wisdom out there. Look, so. look I was the one. I was tweeting about him, not directly about him, but he came up in a tweet storm a couple of weeks ago. Like, I am the last person you you need to think will beat the CCP drum if it's not deserved, and I think they deserve it on this one, especially Hilmar. No, that, that makes me very happy because one of the things that I wanted to, another question I'll ask and then I'll kick it to, to Mittens was how did you guys feel at the beginning? Is this, this happened to us last time. And one of the, I will say the audience, you guys should be happy. You got five guys on this show, all of whom have been on the CSM. So we've been there. We know what this is all about. When we did CSM 13, the beginning of the week, we felt like shit. The end of the week, we felt great. How did it feel this time, the beginning of the week, compared to the end of the week? Was it similar to that, or did you guys have a different experience? And I'll throw that open to any of you. Well, I guess I, I think we were going in. We had oh, – oh, I'm going to try to avoid this issue. We definitely had expectations going in based on some things that we knew that this was going to be a total abortion of a summit. Um, so I think we started worse, and I think we ended even better because there's been no time in the last four years – have I left a summit thinking this about leadership, thinking, having faith in the CCP leadership to this level? Like it, it's never happened to me before. I, don't know, I would say that I'm for basically all of the summits, um, they all end better than they start uh, just because of that effect that you get of having people in the same room and whatever issues have been lingering tend to get solved pretty quickly. Um, are you are you all pod people now? <laughs> do we find that the the Icelandic this, this variant of the virus does something to your to, to your Didn't head? you see I mean, the worm? There wasn't only one worm, or centipede, or whatever that creature was. Did you guys get to see that thing? Like, the, oh my god, the thing was horrifying. Did, yeah, did you guys get to, did to see that horrific like millipede worm thing uh, in person? Did they find it while you guys were there, or after you had fled the country? Uh, I, I think they must have found it the day we were there and leaving, but we didn't know about it until we were already leaving. So, so never mind the coronavirus. I'm glad I was out of the country before that thing came out. Seriously, okay. Um, well, I've got a couple of questions that are. I'm 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 not even gonna touch everything that just happened because my mind cannot process it, and that's fine. Uh, but what I do want to ask about is something that, you know, we're talking about scarcity. We're talking about, you know, potentially tough times in the real world, tough times in EVE Online as far as economics go. Uh, but one of the things that I have been genuinely just delighted by 
uh, is a couple of the random surprises and sort of presents that CCB has given the player base in the form of, you know, making the filaments become a permanent thing and the frigate escape base, which I continue to believe like the frigate escape base is just like the coolest fucking thing and I'm delighted by it. Um, I, I, I want to sort of move away from the scarcity stuff, at least temporarily, and ask you guys, like, did you see, in addition to, like, educating CCP and, you know, Hilmar gets it now and, you know, they're learning about economics and second order effects and, and all this other stuff. Uh, is there anything, I mean, you obviously can't tell us about it, but is there cool shit that the player base is going to get excited about uh, that like, did you see anything cool or was it all just a discussion of like how to manage nerfs and scarcity and, and, and stuff? Like, is there cool shit coming? So I'll start this like, um, I haven't, I didn't see anything that is just going to be like, it's going to just blow everyone's minds with, you know, suddenly this is Eve 2.0. Um, you know, there's, but at the same time, there are a number of things in there that I think people are going to be extremely happy about when they come out. I would say that we hadn't seen anything new that we hadn't seen before. There is something potentially really, really cool coming that we saw last year that they maybe talked about again this year that would be amazing, but that's not necessarily something new. Um, but I do think they have ideas that would be very, very cool and that maybe ought to be fleshed out. But this wasn't the CSM summit of, you know, earth shattering new Jesus features or anything like that. It was more, hey, I think we need to correct some of the sins of the past, right? Like we all knew Warcraft was going to be broken, but I think there's a realization now that the economy is just as destroyed right now. Just not just because of Oracles, but you know what I mean? Hmm. Well, I mean, on, on that question, I think, you know, one of the big concerns, I mean, did you guys spend a lot of time on the economic stuff? Was that, would you say that was a bulk of the summit or was it, or, or there, was it more spread out on, on, on other issues as well? What do you think you guys spent the most time, if you can say, I hate to ask that question, knowing that you may not be able to say, but. Um, well, you can never say that any one topic's the bulk of the summit, just based on the way they're structured and you've okay. seen. Yeah. But I will say it was predominant in many discussions, right. um, where even in, in areas that you wouldn't normally think are economic link, there were definitely economic inspection and discovery and questions. Um, so, yeah, I think economic issues or whatever, or talks, whether it was at the bars or, you know, between meetings or even in the meetings, we're definitely a big component of something for sure. And Mark, you were talking, you, you, you know, we, you and I had talked before the show about uh, some of the upcoming mineral changes. And I wanted to know, you know, what, what is your, what are your guys take on, on those changes and what do you think the, the follow on, you know, what the impacts are going to be down the road if you're seeing that right now with your groups or, or whatever. I think, you know, something that's going to be a big deal to find out is, you know, if you're like an analyst looking at a game, you're probably looking at reports and spreadsheets. And I, you know, I don't know what the heck those guys use, but there's probably like a ton of minerals out there that are, whether it's in like rich guys or just a million different oracles, it would seem like there's probably an overabundance of supply, but I'm curious what'll happen is things actually begin to get choked and there does become scarcity will will that stuff make it to the market will we start to see a situation where for instance like a t1 battleship becomes a ship that's very difficult to source so i'm not sure but the good news is is i, I think it was Aerith that was saying the folks that are involved with most of the economic stuff are paying attention they know it's going to be tough they know they're they're 
probably not going to be super popular as they're making this stuff. It's not like um, somebody like uh, CCP Rise bringing a new Triglivian ship to the game that he knows everybody's going to love. It's just something that it has to be done. We've been telling them for years they need to do something about it, and they're finally sort of mustering to get it done. So I, I guess we'll have to see. One would assume that that maybe the ship meta ends up pushing more towards T2 or T3 stuff, but uh, I guess that'll remain to be seen. Okay, uh, I, I've got a question. Uh, so one of the things that we saw, and we're gonna be talking about this a little bit later in the show, uh, is just as the uh, CSM summit began, there is this whole wormhole eviction thing that took place against, uh, which is now currently in progress. NCDOT is involved, FRT is involved, and we're gonna be talking about that a little bit later. Uh, but the reason I'm bringing this up is, there has been a lot of turmoil uh, across the galaxy involving some of the players that are actually members of the CSM. So uh, again, when we get to the NullSec Power Hour, we're gonna be talking about how uh, Dead Coalition and Sword Dragon uh, essentially are no more. Sword Dragon is on the CSM, but he has uh, decided to step down as a, an autocrat, as an alliance leader. Uh, and also because these wormhole people began attacking uh, the Wormhole Corporation, uh, which I believe Azuki's represents while he was at the CSM Summit. Um, one of the concerns that I think a lot of people might have and one of the, the questions uh, that I have for you guys is what were your perceptions of how well this CSM worked together or did not work together? Like did those tensions between the various CSM members uh, sort of bubble up? Were you guys all united? Like what was, what was going on over there between the CSM representatives? You know me, man. I can get along with the brick wall pretty good. It doesn't really require a lot of back and that forth, but um, the the crew is fine. Uh, it was no different than any other year. Somebody like Azuki, who you mentioned, uh, incredibly cool guy, really, really funny dude. We love to hang out with him, just had a nice time. But, you know, somebody that you would even expect that we're going to be like crazy opposed to, you know, like a uh, Dunk Dinkle is someone who is beloved in the EVE community. He's obviously going to be beloved among his fellow right. CSM group. But, you know, like a, an Omeka, who's sort of like a very much, you know, the an enemy of uh, goons everywhere, perfectly fine to work with. Not a big deal at all. That's uh, that's reassuring to hear. And I don't, I don't necessarily want to force all the other guys to, like, answer the same question. But if you have opinions on this, uh, feel free to sound off. Um we are going to be moving, I think, shortly to the NullSec Power Hour to discuss some of these things because it's, it's a natural segue. Uh, but please do bear with us, you know, stay on the show and you can be the peanut gallery as we, we talk mad shit about Sword Dragon and uh, Wormhole stuff. Brisk, before we change segments, do you have any last questions for the CSM? I, I, just, have, I just have one last question. And I think this is, this is an issue that Mittens and I have been harping on the last couple of weeks. And I think it's, it's about primarily communications coming from CCP to the player base and how often they do them and what they do and how and, and what, what the content of those is. And I just want to get a feeling from you guys. Are you happy with the way that CCP is communicating to the players? And and, and, and as, as a caveat, or at least as a, as a corollary to that, how do you feel about the way they're communicating with the CSM? Because we've heard some claims that you're not getting information until the last minute and you guys are hearing this stuff the same time that the players do. And that, that was a common refrain. We, we complained about that in CSM 13. Uh, what do you guys think? Are you, do you feel comfortable with the amount of information? Do you think it's not enough? Talk a little bit about that. I think this is something where 
CCP cannot communicate enough ever. The more they like, the more that they talk to the players about what they're thinking about doing, the better it is. Even if they only talk about why they want to do something, not necessarily even what it is they're going to do. Um, but at the same time, I can also understand why they wouldn't because um, we as a player base are not the easiest people to talk to. Um, there is literally nothing that CCP can announce that will not be dogpiled by a thousand trolls telling them they're the dumbest people ever and why would they ever think about that. And so I can understand why it's um, tricky to um, get them to. Um, that has been, that was, at least for me, a big part of the summit was pointing out that we have seen this in the past a few times where the CCP, CCP working with the CSM has led to controversial issues not being controversial, and CCP not working with the CSM has led to changes that most people would agree needed to happen being too, so controversial they had to actually back down on them. Um, but yeah, I think that's uh, it's something that they're working on. It's something they do need to get better at, and I'm hoping that in the future it's something that they will continue to um, uh, work with the CSM to uh, get better at. Well, I, in my perspective, I think communications could be a lot better. Um, I think there's a recognition that it's not great, um, that like patch notes may not be complete or they may be doing last minute notifications. I think it's going to get better um, as they find their footing. Uh, I, but I think that was a, it not only impacted player communications, it definitely impacted the relationship with CSM. The CSM has been involved far less uh, in the past few months than we had been traditionally. So I think we felt it. I think CCP's felt it and the players have definitely felt it. So I expect it to improve. Do you think that you, so you think that's going to change after the summit? You guys think it, it was good enough that, that some of the concerns they may have had about sharing with you guys that they've gotten over those? Uh, I think they've gotten over some of them. I, I think there's a recognition that we can be far more helpful. Uh, the earlier we're involved, they just have to find the balance of where they feel like they're comfortable um, us knowing and, and us in our involvement. Like, is it something they consider so secretive, like um, pulling, you know, minerals off moons? Like that was a something the CSM wasn't really involved in at all. And so it was a surprise to us, but not an unwelcome one necessarily, but it's, but we can't give feedback when something's already done. Um, and that could have been done a lot better. Mark, you care to chime in or did the guys already say what you were going to say? Yeah, I, you know what? It's one of those things if you were to imagine yourself at work and your company has like a, a glorified focus group, are you going to want to talk to them every couple hours, every single day, once a week, once a month? Is it necessary to constantly do course corrections? I don't know that anyone knows the right amount. I know there's people within the company that are in constant communication with us, but those are the people that are more like frontline product stuff that probably understand that symbiotic relationship between the two groups and how they can avoid uh, peril. But, you know, I, I don't expect to hear from everybody. I, I don't want to make it seem like the company is perfect and everything that they're doing right now is the greatest thing that ever happened. There are still some warts there, some uh, things that uh, could probably be done better. But, uh, you know, I, I think anytime you go up there and you're breaking bread with people and you're having drinks and you're hanging out, it naturally just starts to raise the tide on uh, the relationship. All right. Well, let's talk about uh, some spaceships blowing up and things exploding and space dramas. We're going to head on over here to the NullSec Power Hour. And as we uh, brisk, do you want to press the button now? Absolutely. Absolutely.
righty. So, you know, one of the things that uh, people in chat are theorizing, and pretty soon we're going to be hitting the Cool Kids Club. So at the 45-minute mark, we're going to do a subscriber-only mode in chat, and you guys can ask questions. Uh, but one of the first things that I, I saw here is uh, Goonie DuPont is pointing out, I'm surprised there's not a lot of groups in EVE that are upset with these changes. I'm mostly thinking of groups that have recently gotten strong and caught up with this to some extent. Um, I, I think that one of the reasons why you're not seeing people freaking out about the scarcity thing is that uh, large organizations are just adaptive inherently, right? Like, you know, and once you have an alliance that's been around for any length of time, we all get hit with a nerf bat sometime, right? If you get something and you get a good run, like, hey, we're mining everything because they buffed work walls, you know, let's let's take this all the way to the bank and see what we can do with it. Uh, then when they inevitably say, you guys have gone too far and we're going to nerf it, you go, well, I kind of expected this because this was ridiculous. And, you know, I, I don't think, you know, I personally have always thought that the, the panic module and a lot of work wall things were ridiculous. But I, I think to answer Guni Dupont's question, the reason why you're not seeing so much outcry amongst the existing NullSec alliances is that we have all been buffed and nerfed so much over the years that we're just kind of used to it, right? Like it's just priced into when you get something that's going, CCP will eventually nerf it and then you move on to the next thing. So I, I think that the scarcity stuff is a good thing. I think that when there is scarcity, there is war because people have to fight over resources. And some of the best wars that we've had in EVE Online, in my view, have come from resource scarcity. Uh, the most obvious example is the Fountain War, which started because CCP nerfed a whole bunch of R64s. There was obviously a lot of other things going on in that too, but the, the real precipitating event was the release of an expansion that nerfed moons severely, and then we had to go uh, pave over uh, Fountain about it. Um, but moving on, what is the big news? The big news that we're gonna be talking about here as it related to the summit uh, was uh, I guess, are we calling it the War of the Dead now? I, 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 don't, I, I don't know if we've got a name yet. I mean, that's the thing. We've had so many different potential, the, the CSM War, the, the War, the, the Second Northern War, and, and uh, the War of the Dead, the Dead Co. War, all, it, it's, it's, it's all over the place. We haven't decided on a name yet, so... But I guess War of the uh, Dead is as good as anything, so we can call it that for today. I, I, I think War of the Dead is pretty catchy. Like, you know, it's tough because it's a very significant conflict in terms of the, the galactic chessboard. And I'll walk people through this in a second. Uh, it's an extremely significant event because Deadco has collapsed. Uh, Sword Dragon has resigned his crown as being an alliance leader and an autocrat, uh, which is something that very rarely ha happens in sort of like the ruling class of EVE Online. Um, and what this essentially has done is it has opened up the entire Galactic Northwest for consolidation. Now, I don't know who's gonna be the power player at the end of that, maybe it'll be uh, Fraternity is going to consolidate and end up with a, a huge chunk of the Northwest. We don't know how it's gonna shake out, but the fact that Deadco essentially uh, disintegrated abruptly over the course of like a week um, has really sort of left the Galactic Northwest up for grabs and uh, it's a power vacuum and power vacuums always create really interesting things. Um, but that's not all, because it wasn't just that, uh, Brisk, I don't know, I don't want to make you tell the story if you're, you're not up for it or not, but the, uh, uh, the Siberian squad uh, move up story about how they, they, they got ganked moving out. Is that a, a me story or a you well, story? I, or I, I can, I can talk about I was there so I can talk about it, at least some of it. So, I mean, th this is one of these things, Deadco collapsing, had a ton of follow-on effects that I think we're still seeing the impact on. I think Mitten's point was valid. One of the things that we saw was 
the various constituent groups of Deadco are moving around. And the result of that is move ops. And when you got move ops, you got Titans, you got big ships moving, there's an opportunity for, for ganking. So as I understand it, so essentially what happened was, as you, if you saw the show two weeks ago, we talked to Ranger Regiment, we talked to Drone Wang, and he was talking about coming to the Imperium. Siberian Squad, which is one of the large Russian alliances that was in Deadco, they chose to go to Legacy. In order to get to Legacy, they had to move through a bunch of areas, including Syndicate and, and some areas that were uh, controlled by United Federation of Conifers, the Pinecones, my mortal enemies for all time. And they killed my widow, and I will never forgive them for it. Uh, and I bring that up every day. I also killed my Draugr, which was on a car Merc fleet, which made me very Yikes. upset. But anyway. Uh, in any event, these guys, I, lo I love these guys. I love to, love to hate on these guys. They're, they're a fun crew that we fight them all the time. Essentially what had happened was ProGod and, and the test leadership had said, hey, we're in the process of bringing these guys down. Can they use some of your structures uh, as, as jump off points because they don't have ways to get through from their space to our space without coming through your space? And my understanding was the UFC guy said, look, yeah, go ahead. We'll, we'll set you up. And everything, but don't expect our guys not to try to shoot you, because they're they're newts. We're gonna try to blow them up. Just make sure that they're aware of that. And they said that's fine. Just just at least put these guys on the ACLs on these on these structures so that they can jump in and tether and then jump out. Well, they did that, and a bunch of of Sib Squad ships jumped in, and unbeknownst to the Sib Squad guys, UFC and the and 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 folks were ready for them. They yanked the ACLs like a typical kickout station uh, trick, and they 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 tackled a couple of these titans. So what ended up happening was at that point, Pinecones sent out rage pings to all their friends saying, "Hey, come and shoot!" Trigger Happy was one of the groups that came in. They had dreads in range. They dropped a bunch of dreads on top of of the Sib Squad guys and started killing. They were able to kill two titans, and at the same time, the other guys, the Siberian Squad guys, Hanzo and everybody, started reaching out to. Uh, everybody they could, including in it, we were in range because we were right there. So we counter dropped on top of of these guys to, to to take them out, and we killed a ton of trigger happy titans. Uh, I think I was on like forty some kill mails. You mean you mean dreadnoughts? Uh, dreadnoughts. I, I apologize. Yeah. Dreadnoughts. All the supers and stuff were off the field at that point, and it was a good fight. But it was one of those. It was one of those really interesting things. And I think if you look at it, just the politics of it were weird. You have Test reaching out, talking to another group that says, yeah, we'll let you do, do it, but we're going to shoot at you. Be aware of it. They jump in, and then instead of Test coming to save Siberian Squad, you have Enid coming to save Siberian Squad. We're not even blue to these guys anymore. I mean, technically we were still, I guess, still technically, you know, light blue to, to Sib Squad while they were moving, but they're going to Test and Legacy, and we're not blue to Legacy, so we shoot Test all the time. So it was just, it made for a very interesting situation that I don't think otherwise would have happened. Uh, and I know there's some recriminations going back and forth and why didn't Tess come to help Siberian squad? And why did, why did, you know, why did Pinecones do this? And was it bad or regardless of what happened, you know, the, the higher level diplomacy type stuff, it was just a very interesting fight. And I had a lot of fun on it. I think a lot of the folks that were involved did. I guess everybody must've liked it except for the two Titans that got lost by Sib squad while they were moving. I'm sure they're not happy. Uh, but that was a very uh, interesting think, thing. Yeah, I, I think that uh, one of the uh, there is like sort of a, a happy ending to this, which is, uh, you know, uh, we didn't really have like a good deal that we could particularly offer 
uh, in Imperium territory to like Siberian squad or to Deadco or whatever, because you know, we had just taken a bunch of people into the Imperium itself. And really the only region that we could offer anybody potentially as a couch would be Quarius. And, you know, let's be honest here, Quarius is, uh, you know, not exactly Tenerifus or any of the things that uh, Legacy was able to offer Siberian squads. Uh, it is really tough when you see people that you have fought together with and that you like, and we do like Siberian squads and we like Hanzo Viper and his crew. Uh, it's really tough when you see your friends getting like basically rat fucked on a move up. Uh, and so it, it's not like a perfectly happy ending, but the sort of uh, silver lining is the Imperium reached out and we set Siberian squads temporarily blue such that they could then move through Imperium space and get over to, to Legacy just because, you know, uh, it was it was a great gank by uh, United Federation Conifers. I think that they did a really interesting thing. Seeing that fight with all those trig dreads coming on, uh, it was fascinating to see. Uh, but you know, we just wanted to reach out to to Siberian Squad guys and be like, "You guys got got fucked, and it sucks." And you know, it wasn't too bad. Like they did not get like screwed too badly or anything. There was a lot of carnage on all sides. And of course, I need to get out of the habit of touching my face. I'm talking about the fucking virus. And then here I am putting my hands all over myself. That, that's hard. It's hard to stop yourself. It's hard to stop. It is yourself. really, really. I can't hard stop touching my face. It's it's, it's a habit that people have unless you're trained as a nurse. Uh, so there you go. But uh, you know the, the the silver lining is is that uh, we did set Siberian Squad Blue after that, so that they could move all their shit through Imperian space, uh, you know, safely, and then get over to Legacy and do whatever it is they're going to do. Um, but. Yeah, I guess the other big news, uh, and this is so this is something that I, I'm curious from the CSMs, if you guys uh, jump in here, if you know anything uh, about this, but this kicked off right during the CSM summit, where basically there's like this proxy war in NullSec, where as far as I can tell, and again, when people start talking about like moon rentals or moon mining, my simple little mitten brain sort of starts shorting out and my eyes glaze over because it must involve schmoozing or talking or politics. I'm very ADHD, uh, but from what I understand, uh, essentially the the wormhole CFC or the wormhole PL groups like Laserhawks and Hard Knocks and all those guys kind of got together to time an attack on Azuki's organization right for the CSM summit to start. Uh, and, and from what I understand, the official narrative is is that the reason why they did this is because. Uh, Azuki and his crew are like dirty blobbers, but the there's now NC Dot is involved. FRT is involved along with Hard Knocks, Laser Hawks, and uh, you know all of these guys. Um, so it's obviously not about blobbing, right? And, and I think what's going on is possibly that it is a reprisal uh, for the fact that Azuki, in his capacity as a CSM, openly told CCP and openly told the rest of Nullsec some of the things that were actually happening for years in wormhole space that people were unaware of. This was right back during the blackout where suddenly it's like, whoa, wait a second, these guys have updated local, they've got this, they've got that, they can mine these things. There's all this crazy shit happening in wormhole space that the rest of us did not know about. And those were basically the Delta Squad secret. And uh, so from what we can tell, uh, this whole shitstorm kicked off right when they knew Azuki's was gonna go to, to Iceland and it's about blobbing, but it, it appears uh, that it's actually a, a political reprisal of some kind. I don't, I don't know, Merkelchen or uh, Aerith or Nominate, if any of you guys who are there and talking to Azuki's can offer us any insight as to, you know, what was it like watching it happen? Or do you guys have any inside dirt that you can tell us about because it's not in the aid or what the fuck? 
wormhole sorry about that dude um like wormhole space is really weird and depending on where you live there's like governance of whether that's a problem for other people or not you know and i and izuki's group in particular i think is one of the c6 groups you know uh as many of these other people that you're mentioning are so i i don't think you can live in that space unless you have sort of the tentative uh, support, not support, acceptance of the other people that live in that space. Otherwise, they're going to come and just try to push you away. I've heard that Azuki's contribution to the CSM was a problem for some of those groups because they felt like he shined light on things that they would have preferred him not be talking about, perhaps. But I think that just generally is going to happen one way or another. And and to those folks in particular, I would say I think he's a He's a really good CSM for them, and he uh, makes a case for, you know, sort of enriching the experience of living in that space, which is absolutely not for everybody. That's one of those things like you you shove goons in wormhole space and we're going to just shut the lights off. We're going to be out of business in a month. You know, it'd be terrible. But, you know, I, I just that whole who the big groups are and where the big groups live it has a ton of play, I think, in, in stuff like this. I spent a significant amount of time kind of like probing on this and talking to Azuki while he was getting updates. And like, do I, do I think that this is probably some of a reprisal? Yes. But I also think he's been the best CSM advocate, you know, the wormholes could have ever hoped for and some of the other things he's been doing. So, I won't take that personally. Aaron. Uh, yes, I know. I, I brought your name up several times during the summit saying you did a lot of outreach, but at the <laughs> end of the day, when you do outreach focus groups and round tables, it just doesn't work out really well. And I feel like he did a great job, not only bringing the dark side of wormholes and the kind of exploitive mechanics to light, but also some of the mechanics you would want improved. So I think it's short-sighted of them to, to be crapping on him for, you know, maybe outing them a little bit, because I think he's done far better things for wormholes overall that maybe they haven't seen yet. But it's kind of sad, but I do think that was part of it. And I'll look at it from my perspective, you know, and, and we have some breaking news that I'll talk about in a second here. Um, I saw this kind of it becoming a proxy war for NullSec fighting again, because you had on, on, on Tedison's side, and it came in to help them out because we were asked. I know that Goons and other groups were probably going to come in to help them. And on the other side, you had HK and Inner Hell and Laser Hawks and, and Hole Control coming in to, to evict Titson. But on the same time, they also had friends from NC Dot that came in and were fighting. We had two big fights yesterday, one in the morning where. Uh, Fraternity brought a bomber fleet in and totally dumpstered uh, our, our in it slash uh, Tidson uh, group, which was pretty tough. There was a cat brawl, uh, I want to say around 6 o'clock Eastern last night that NC Dot and a bunch of other folks were in on. That was that was a huge yeah. fight. Over almost 1,000 ships lost, like 300 billion killed in the wormholes. It was a pretty big fight. And you had NullSec groups coming in to help with this eviction. Now, the breaking news is... As, as is common in the, these types of things, which I think is pretty funny, while we've been on the show, Pando with Ennit has taken a 200-person fleet into HK's home rage again, like we did last year, and are in the process of screwing with them while they are over in Titson's hole trying to screw with them. So when wow. we're done with this, what I'm going to recommend is everybody, if you haven't followed Zapando, and I'm going to link his uh, Twitch chat, uh, his Twitch in here, you can watch them live after... When you're done watching us, go over and check out Pando's stream, uh, and and you'll be able to see what's going on in there. And I'm looking forward to as soon as I get done with the show, taking this fucking suit off and going and jumping in the wormhole with these guys and, and having some fun. So, yeah, I, uh, 
this this is the type of this is what happened this is the fun stuff that that you can do you go out there you're out you know trying to take down your castle and boom um you know we're going to come and screw with you so i'm, I'm looking forward to, to I seeing think if you look out. at the uh at the minutes from the last summit it's pretty clear that izuki basically gave up all of their secrets like they had been the ones presenting the idea that everything they do is super elite and super dangerous and then it comes out that no like they they operate in a level of safety that nolsec wishes they had um and i'm sure that didn't make him any friends bringing that uh yeah forward, I don't think right? so. and you look at all of the people that are dogpiling onto this fight i mean this is what happens when a big fight happens everyone in the galaxy dogpiles it just because there's something fun going on well i, I think this is going to be fascinating because i hadn't really realized the implications because again I have a very simple mitten brain and when it, you know, anything that's like gritty involving wormhole tactics and stuff, it just, it gets very, very uh, tumbleweeds up in here. Uh, and, and the idea that initiative has, uh, while everybody is piling in on Azuki's and his crew and to or however you actually pronounce their acronym, uh, they are just flanking essentially and going in and attacking. And you, you said that you're going after hard knocks again. You're going after rage and you're already they're, in rage. They're in rage right now <laughs> and fighting right so as we, we speak. Could, yeah. We could do that with the other guys too. Because you know, I don't I don't really want to smash blobs together because I don't, you know, I just I just don't care. Like at a fundamental level when it comes to this wormhole stuff, I could give so less of a fuck it's, it's it's hard to really calculate but i do like screams and i do like salt and if it turns out that there's nothing else going on and we're all going to be trapped inside for a couple months because of the virus um we could potentially invade uh or uh, other people if you're unaware of this now that the cat's out of the bag if you have a grudge against uh i guess laser hawks or inner hell uh now is the the time now which one was it that you guys you guys went into hard knocks so we're in we're, in, we're back in rage where we were last year so that's that's hard so, knocks home system and inner hell i don't think it's it's hard for you to evict them because i think they stage out of thera uh but you know these other guys yeah you know hey when you're out open you know, season storming the castle your castle doesn't have anybody <laughs> in it so expect folks to come around and and, and, and screw with you so that's i'm excited good. This is gonna that's be fun. great i'm looking forward to it a, i spent too much time a surprise in ending to the meta show Exactly. So we got breaking news. It's good. So uh, I guess we're, we're about out of time. Uh, Mark, Aerith, Nam, you have any any parting words for us before we get out of here? I think this confirms they should be called the CSM Wars. There you go. That, that would be good. CSM War. The Wormhole War is the CSM War. I, I like it. That makes <laughs> sense. All right, guys. Well, we're going to call it a week and we will back be back here next week. So again, stay safe. Last couple of things that we, before we leave is remember, we are all in a game against this virus together. There are two rules. One, delay getting sick as long as possible. And two, when you do get sick, make sure that you don't get anybody else sick. If you're not going to do it for yourself, do it for somebody else's grandma. And thank you and good night. We will be back here next week. All right, everybody. Again, thanks so much for being here on the show. Thanks to the CSM 14 members for coming. Uh, don't forget to set your clocks back if you're in the United States tomorrow and you stay classy, New Eden.